there's a lot that can be done, but it doesn't happen by magic. And it doesn't happen by just let people maneuver without supporting them, without guiding them, without showing them the way. And at the end of the day, it benefits everyone, the employees, the organizations, and the clients, because they have somebody to deliver on their expectations, as simple as it may sound. Welcome to Dreams with Deadlines, a podcast by Quantiv. We talk about bringing strategy, teams, and data together to drive better business outcomes. I'm your host, Jenny Harold. My guests on this episode of Dreams with Deadlines are leveraging their six decades of combined coaching and consulting expertise to transform how we think about aging and the workplace. Dominique Bendow and her collaborator, Ellen Kosher, have seen the writing and research on the wall. Without a drastic improvement in retention, corporations around the world are looking at a huge shortfall of qualified, skilled employees. Their answer? building a sustainable framework for corporations of all sizes, starting with a new perspective on what over 50 workers bring to the table and how their employers need to step up. Here are a few of the things we talked about. The fact that only 8% of companies internationally have included age in their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Why it's critical that we embrace a five-generation workplace model the five dimensions of mental and physical health that corporate leaders and individual employees should be addressing. Why measuring efficiencies in the workplace is a holistic exercise, requiring a systemic assessment and trackable qualitative measures. The co-author's book, Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive. How to lift up your life in your 50s and beyond. Swiss secrets to not growing old. And finally, our quick fire questions reveal where business leaders should be focused when it comes to retaining older employees and how clarity, purpose, and validation build thriving organizational cultures for workers of all ages. Let's jump in. I am so excited because today we have two empowered guests who have joined forces to reshape the workforce. With the same vision of creating sustainable and purposeful career experience, for people of all ages, these inspiring women are starting to change how we see careers. Let's welcome to the podcast, health and wellness coaches and career innovators, Ellen and Dominique. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you, Jenny. It's great to be with you. We're going to kick it off with some statistics that I found quite startling. So... When we had talked before, you'd mentioned that one in three people are in the world are over 50, right? In the EU, we're thinking that's about 20% of the workforce. And we can imagine that this is a top concern for many senior leaders. Talent is always probably one of the top three concerns is how do you attract, grow, and retain talent? What are we going to do about it? Well, that's why we're so passionate about shaking things up, but also helping and guiding both organizations and individuals to to change the way they work, they work to change the way they engage their teams, change the way they engage their clients, and jump into something that is new for them because we've never had such a big change in demographics trends. Plus, at the same time, having 
crisis all over the place. So we're combining economic crisis, financial crisis, health crisis. And on top of that, we add changes in demographics. It's massive. So we fully understand it's not that obvious for companies to first admit there is something changing and second, what to do about it. So what we are doing with Ellen is to help them raise their awareness because some companies are doing quite well, but they might not know that they're doing that well. And other people or other companies or other organizations might think they do the right thing because they have sleeping rooms, Pilates courses, yoga courses. So that's good enough for their well-being of their employees. And we know it's not good enough. So we help them having raised that awareness and we bring benchmark, we bring number, we bring KPIs, but we also bring our own experience from the corporate background that we both accumulated together. I think we sum up to 60 years of corporate experience. So that doesn't make us younger, but it does make us powerful and educated enough and experienced enough to share that experience with organizations and then helping them put together a customized, structured and realistic action plan that they can work on. Ellen, you had some statistics that you'd shared previously, because you all are in Switzerland, right? Mm -hmm. A country of 9 Mm -hmm. million people. In order to replace what might happen in the next few years, we're talking what, Mm 300,000 people? Yeah, this is an excellent study that came out by Deloitte's, but we can absolutely copy, paste, and transpose on any Western country, this phenomenon. So if you can take the proportions and work them with the country, your your listener or you're coming from, you happen to be in Germany. So the idea is out of 9 million people, by 2030, because of the aging demographic, and think about this now, theoretically, 65-year-olds leaving the workforce, Mm -hmm. we will need in Switzerland to import 300,000 additional people than we are already importing over the borders in Geneva and Basel and in the Italian part of Switzerland, the Ticino today. So we will be lacking 300,000 skilled people out of 9 million in 2030, which is right around the corner. So I just want to come back to your question, Jen, because I thought it was very pertinent. You said, what are we going to do about it? I'm not sure, and I think this is really a good place to go, that by just saying that 20% of the workforce is over 50, like people go, well, so what's wrong with that? It's it's a good thing. Let's look at the problems with it. What are the challenges that poses? What that poses is around 50, a lot of people feel like leaving the workforce Hmm. for health reasons, for sentimental reasons. We'll get into that for agility reasons, resilience. We saw in the United States during, it was a very, I take the U.S. as an example because they do really good stats and it's a big place so we can use them. During COVID, they actually called it the gray resignation rather than the great resignation because the great majority of people that were leaving the workforce, and remember it's 20% of the workforce, skilled, highly qualified, very often very high responsibility positions, men and women were leaving the workforce Hmm. and not necessarily for health reasons, for lots of other reasons, this holistic approach. So these are key productivity issues for the workplace. These are key critical success factors and survival factors 
for the modern workplace. So let's talk about then what this means. I think this is probably, I don't know if this is unprecedented. I feel like it feels this way. Mm-hmm. We have a five generation workforce now. Unprecedented, first time in human history. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Can you talk about your vision in creating this five generation workplace? It seems obvious we're kind of leading the witness here, you know, mm-hmm. but why is it relevant in helping? kind of close this productivity, knowledge, experience gap should a majority of the folks that are 50 or over decide that they're going to take an early retirement. Why is this relevant now? And Mm -hmm. what is your vision in helping businesses overcome this challenge? Mm -hmm. Dominique, I'll let you explore that. Sure, thank you. Well, thanks. It's a great question, Jenny. So the, the why is it relevant now is because of the demographic trends. When Ellen shared that we are having a number of empty positions and we will have to import resources to make up that gap, it's mostly, and that's a big, big change. It's not because people are resigning. It's not because people are going away from Switzerland. It's because of the aging pyramids or the aging demographics, not having enough young people to take over the positions. What mm-hmm. we see now, and it's quite recent since last year, 2022, it started end of 2021, but it really accelerated in 2022 and it goes faster and faster, is that companies are actually going into financial issues for not having the necessary skills and competencies within the house to serve their clients. They're not going uh, bankrupt, if I may say, to that extent, because of financial resources, because of treasury or lack of clients. They do close the doors because they don't have enough personnel in-house that have the right skills and competencies to face the expectations of the clients and of the market. So to your question, why is the five generation workforce a must today is to ensure that the older people who are leaving the job market maybe a little bit earlier because they don't feel committed, they don't feel engaged, they don't feel valued, they don't feel listened to, feel that if they leave, it's not going to make a big difference for the company and it's going to make a huge difference for them. If we focus on retaining their skills, their experience, and retaining them engaged within the company, helping, working, collaborating with the younger generations, then we have a transfer of skills that does make sense in the medium and long term, and not only in the short term. Now, having managed a five-generation workforce myself as a leader, it's not because you put five people of five different generations together, that it works. There's Mm. a lot of preconceived ideas, a lot of judgmental and bias for the other generations, like the old people don't manage digital well, they are reluctant to change, they don't adapt rapidly, they're not agile. Whereas when you're young, you're good with digital, you're adapt to change like that. These are biased and preconceived ideas. So 
it's by showing them how to work together and giving them the positive side of each generation that they really see the light and say, well, that can work for us. And it worked as well for the younger generation as the older one as a key motivator and a key engaging factors. And what we notice often when we go to companies with Ellen is that we see that the older generation may not feel valued, listened to, included as much as they wish, as much as they should, so that the organization and the younger generation do benefit for, of their knowledge, of their skills, but also of their network, because they've built a massive network for 10, 20, 30 years of professional activity that is worth so much. And it's really a waste to let them go just for the sake of not maximizing on their potential, on their upgrowing and up and unlearning to relearn new skills. Older people have as much possibilities to learn as the younger ones. So there's a lot that can be done, but it doesn't happen by magic. And it doesn't happen by just let people maneuver without supporting them, without guiding them, without showing them the way. And at the end of the day, it benefits everyone, the employees, the organizations and the clients, because they have somebody to deliver on their expectations, as simple as it may sound. You know, I might add to that, Jen, I see you're going you're gonna to ask another question, but earlier on, you'd mentioned this retention thing mm -hmm. and everything that Dominique just said, you can see really clearly what it does for the 50 plus. It motivates, inspires, etc. But what it also does simultaneously is it inspires the younger people to think, oh, if they're taking care of the older people, maybe I'll stay. If I notice that this organization is keeping people, there must be something worthwhile for me here too. So it's something that really creates a ripple effect within the organization. I think some people might call that maybe even psychological safety, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. In, in sense, and it's very right? important. Yeah. A lot of what I think both of you, Dom, Ellen, are talking about are diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. When we talk about DEI, often I think our brains go to sex and gender, but age doesn't necessarily get mm -hmm. the same weight. You're Interesting. so right, Dan. So yeah. let's talk about why mm -hmm. that is. Like, why is that something that seems largely ignored mm -hmm. when we just talked about some statistics that are yeah. pretty startling probably for some? Mm -hmm. I would love to jump on this bandwagon. For the last three years, I've been part of the Multicultural Competency Committee of the National Wellness Institute, looking at well-being and this various diversity, equity, inclusion issues. And I've just been named, I'm very excited about this, Jen, I'm sharing this with you for the first time, president of the jury of SwissDiversity.com for exactly this reason. Because today, despite the fact that we are now living approximately 30 to 40 years beyond retirement age, whether you're in France, Germany, or wherever, we won't get into politics there, despite that, the 50 plus are leaving the workforce, despite that a huge part of our population is over 50, only 8% of companies worldwide that have a DEI initiative are including age. Eight. Eight, eight, which is mind blowing, mind blowing. A small 2% 
include menopause and andropause. That's a side thing, but I think it's super interesting because again, these are about, and I'd love to make this link. It's a very simple link. I've written an article about this and I love it. Basically, diversity, equity, and inclusion is about belonging. Mm -hmm. When we feel well, we feel we belong. And I come right back to your psychological safety. So for me, well-being, belonging, both belong in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And age, it's another ism. Ageism, sexism, etc. It's another ism. The interesting thing is that it's an ism that every human being will live. So let's talk about the fact that this is such an important, you all are experts in wellness. And the Surgeon General recently put out a framework that said that mental health and wellness is so important to our society, to our workplace, that they put out for senior leaders guidance on how to make improvements in this area. Can you talk a bit more about the intersection of our conversation considering the multi-generational workforce what we've experienced in terms of what Dom has alluded to, just the amount of change and I would say stressors, financial, we have climate issues happening. We've got like supply chain problems. We're adding mm-hmm. now an aging workforce and mm-hmm. this linkage back to we need to make sure that our workplaces are healthy. We have a younger generation that is much more demanding about their jobs today. So I don't want to only talk about the older generation. We're talking about the five-generation workplace. We have an extremely demanding younger generation that are not going to put up. I know many youth, because I have children, that have quit their 60-hour work weeks. I don't want to live that way. We didn't dare mm-hmm. do it at our time. Every generation has different needs. And these the demand the Surgeon General is answering this because they realize this. We've got these demands that are more demanding than ever of our workplaces. Thank you. Yeah, and the Surgeon General went, as you know, Jen, when there's something coming out of uh, out of his desk, it's not, it's solid, it's researched, it's not something light. And that shows you the importance that the topic is at the moment. What we've noticed is that although only 8% of companies do include age in their diversity programs, more than 75% of the CEOs of the same companies are recognizing the importance of managing age diversity. So the awareness and the consciousness is there, is the how mm-hmm. that is missing. And there's also a number of, I was talking about bias before, and to your question, why is that not happening? Although there is this consciousness and the need to respond to the expectations of the younger generations and the expectations of the clients. Well, it's simply because so far we didn't have to face that. So it's totally new. And it comes on top of. So if you put yourself in the shoes of a CEO or a CEO or whatever C-level head, 
it's not that easy to put priority on so many fronts at the same time, financial, economical, social, and so on. Yet, if you switch your mind and you take it not as a threat, but as an opportunity that is massive, then it changes your business model. So to come back to the bias or the education we all had, because that's the way we were functioning, when we look at well-being within companies, we think about physical well-being. However, we all know that a human being is not only about physical well-being, right? You spoke about psychological safety before, and Ellen and I, we believe strongly in the fact that human beings need to be looked after as a whole human being and not as a physical human being or emotional one and so on, but really on all dimensions. And the five dimensions that we cater for, that we feel strongly about is obviously physical, that's the basic, but also emotional well-being, the emotional dimensions. And how often do we speak about emotions at work? Being em emotive. Especially in Switzerland and Germany, right, Jen? <laughs> and, and to name a few, Japan would be the same. And you can think of many countries in that situation. We don't speak about emotions at work yet. Hmm. When we think that more than 95% of what decisions we take on a day-to-day -day basis is based on emotions, and you multiply that on an organization standpoint, it's massive. You can't ignore your emotions. You can't just put them off for eight hours or more during the day and put them back on when you go back home. It doesn't work like that. So at the emotional dimensions is also a, a must to address in organizations and organizations don't always know how to tackle that dimension. When we talk about the intellectual dimension, it's all about the learning skills, the brain activity. We now know from neurosciences that our brain has the ability to rejuvenate itself, to stay young until the very last day of our life. So it's not a question of older people not being able to learn. It's a question of practice. It's a question of consistency, repetition, so that our brain remains young. And that profits not only to the individuals, but to the teams and to the organizations. The fourth dimension... And by the way, Dom yes. before you do that, Dominique, I think it's worth interrupting there on the intellectual dimension, this brain stimulation, motivation, neuroplasticity, etc. We have had at least three multinational organizations in the past six months where we have had 50 plus people say, oh, I don't get training anymore. They don't give me anything. They don't, I, they think I'm done. I'm already on the way out of the garage, you know? So they're not getting, they're getting the minimum updates they need just to stay barely relevant. And they feel that and they know that. Nobody is saying, hey, how about a new career path now for the next 15 years of your career? Nobody is saying that. And that shocks me. So this intellectual dimension, again, it's the word we've given it, but it's about using that neuroplasticity, using this brain power and benefiting exactly like Dom said, everybody, the organization, the individuals, the young, the old, and everybody. It really shocked both Dominique and I that fact. It, it did because we talk about engagement and valuing people. That's a clear way of for organizations, if you want to value your 
older people, just give them access to the same learning path as the younger people. As simple and obvious as it may sound, this is an easy one to go for. But I wanted to add, and that's also related to your previous questions about the five-generation workforce, as part of the intellectual dimension is also building networks and reinforcing social bonds. So it goes straight into teamwork, collaboration, exchanging ideas, working in multi-department, multi-services projects, combining experiences, combining skills, combining innovation or innovative ideas and creativity. That is also part of what we call the intellectual dimension, which is critical because most of the organization rely on the skills and the competencies of their employees to deliver services. So by nurturing the internal network and by offering the space and the time to network outside of the organization, that really has a direct impact on the profitability and revenue generation of organizations. And after intellectual comes spiritual, when we go to organizations and we say, we're going to talk to you about spirituality, we say, oh my gosh, it's not about religion, it's about alignment, alignment between your individual values, your team values, and your organization values. It's a lot of people talk about finding the sense, common sense, but also sense of purpose, purpose. and having that alignment between who you are, where you can work, and how aligned you are with what is happening in your organization. That's where we see a lot of potential in making sure that the alignment is there by communicating properly, by listening properly, and by giving a chance bottom up and top down to contribute to the organization value definition and corporate culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would also add here that there was a very good article you might have read last year that was published in 2022 by McKinsey. They do these nice, big, thick studies and articles, and it was entitled, Help Your People Find Their Purpose or Watch Them Leave. And you can all look that up because it's exactly that. That is the great resignation. If people are not aligned, they're unwell, they don't belong, out. So this is all, you can just feel how this gets integrated together. And as an HR people, I would, I would go even further. It's not necessarily and not always people leaving, but it's people staying. Quiet quitting. And not going the extra step, not feeling that they contribute, not willing to contribute. Yeah, the quiet quitting. Simply staying, yeah, staying quietly, being present physically, but not being present emotionally, intellectually and spiritually not having that alignment. And when we talk about burnout, often it's not only about working hard and doing too many hours, it's also the lack of purpose and also the lack of being safe intellectually, emotionally, and physically. And the last dimension that we speak about, which many companies address, but maybe not in the way that we do, is the financial dimension. It's preparing the older generation to plan for the 20, 30, 40 years to come when they will want to do things that they've been dreaming all their life. And that needs preparation, that needs planning. And it's not only about financial and having a solid bank account, but it's also 
having the education or being accustomed and comfortable in having discussions around their remuneration, around their money, around their financial legacy, talking with their partners, with their kids, with the family about it, but also the mindsets about money and the, the education or the values that have, they have been raised with around the importance of money and the importance of the lack of money and how to get ready for that. So that together makes individuals well-balanced and automatically organizations well-balanced if you have different generations, whether it's the young generation or the old generation, having the equipment, the awareness and the pragmatic tools and techniques that we help organization with so that they can go away with a solid equipment and luggage, if I may say. You are listening to Dreams with Deadlines, the podcast that brings you real stories of trials and victories in business, brought to you by Quantiv. Quantiv is a strategy execution platform that helps organizations create greater strategic agility and excel at execution. With more than 2,000 customers, Quantiv helps companies close the gap between strategy and execution to achieve their best possible. So we've talked a lot about the individual. We've talked about the macroeconomic picture of what's happening. Let's talk about the businesses, the organizations themselves. Because I am a f- I firmly believe that whoever can crack this proverbial nut to be able to extract and enable excellence with their workforce by addressing these needs which, I mean, if we talk about Maslow, maybe we can make a leap there. We're talking about kind of employee actualization. Absolutely. Right. So Self-actualization. Exactly. And if we were to apply this to business, what does this mean for the business? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. kind of benefits should the organization see as a result? Because at the end of the day, if you're a senior leader in an organization, you're thinking about top line, bottom line. You're thinking Mm -hmm. about your stakeholders. You're thinking about your financial strength, the strength of your organization in the market. Mm -hmm. How does this conversation and working on programs that Mm -hmm. support a multi-generational workforce Mm -hmm. and enabling people to find purpose no matter the age and really extracting excellence from people through enablement, how does that Mm -hmm. benefit their top Mm -hmm. and bottom line? Mm -hmm. We'll grab this one, Dom, and then you can pipe in if you have bits and pieces to add. I just want to clarify, I think this is really important, Jen. Both Dominique and I wear two hats. We wear a coaching hat, and this is the one we've kind of been exploring today. We coach people over 50 in all of these five dimensions of well-being, and I think that's quite clear right now. We also wear consulting hats, and what I'd like to do is I'd like to put on the consulting hat right now. As a consultant, we work with leaders in organizations. And we start at the top. We say, where are you at? Because our goal is to embed this in corporate strategy. And what we are going to do, you're going to get this right away. This is in the this is the economist in me coming out. We are going to go through a checklist that Dominique, with our 60 years of experience, have established together. And frankly, every new organization we work with, we tweak the, we tweak the list a little bit. So it's something that's always work in progress. We go through this checklist. What are you doing? Are you happy with it? What are you not doing? 
Is it important to you or not? And then we're going to define that roadmap. Then we're going to take that roadmap and we're going to say, now, what comes first? And how are we going to embed this into our corporate culture? And then we're going to go one step further. What bottom line figure is that thing going to affect? And in that room, when we decide this, it's Dominique and I coming in like a helicopter to make a big mess with our, what do we call those things that turn on the helicopter? The, the propeller. The propellers, the propellers. We make a mess and then we fly away. We come in, we roll up our sleeves. We've got C-suite, we've got management, and we've got employees in the room. And we say, what works for you? And how is this going to affect our bottom line and what matters to us in order to create something and implement something that is proactive and that touches the bottom line? This could be touching productivity. It could be touching absenteeism. It could be touching presenteeism, it could be touching sick days, it could be touching retention, it, all of these figures. And we can actually, with each line item, we wanna decide as a team where that is going to have the impact. And then of course, we implement some of those things, perhaps not all of them. We may come up with things that are not within our realm, but that's fine. We're gonna control them and we're gonna keep them going because this is not stagnant. This is not a balance sheet. This is a profit and loss. This is an ongoing. So in six months, we're gonna bring everybody back in the room and say, where are we at? What went well? What didn't go well? And where are we going now? As you know, it's always a moving target on the data side and on the output side. So I think the key things to retain are, are is the consultant hat and the fact that we work together as a team with people of all levels of the organization. Mm -hmm. and, and what would you add, Dom? What I would add is sometimes it's overwhelming when you see everything you want to do, need to do, and with limited resources, because you're already scarce on resources. And here we come and say, well, this would be critical. This would be important. So one thing that we help organization with is prioritize and measure time or resources needed, which impact it will have in terms of bottom line or top line in making those changes happening so that they can focus and get into the first step towards their long-term goals and vision but get started because often companies go and say, oh my gosh, we have to put together a task force and task force for that. And just the scoping takes months before the first action takes place. And when it, you take time to, put, to take actions, you get even more time to see results. And when you see no results, guess what? You get demotivated and then you say, well, that's not gonna work. Let's drop it and move to the next one. And that's a common vicious circle. Very common. And we help them. Some of them are over ambitious and want to do everything at the same time. Other say, oh my God, we're never going to be able, so we don't even start. So our role here is to help them focus on the impact an activity or an action will take and make sure that it's measurable so that they quickly see the results, having quick wins so that they can capitalize on that. One figure that I want to add, because I find it shocking every time I, I'm sharing that because it's enormous, 
But there is an institution in France that has done the study over 40 different countries measuring efficiencies. And when I talk about efficiencies, it does include lack of motivation, lack of engagement, absenteeism, turnover, the time it takes for a company to train a new recruit to become operational, all that. Or small inefficiencies like having to walk 10 minutes to make a copy at the copy machine or having to spend 30 minutes to find the right person to ask your questions within the organization, all the inefficiencies that we see day in, day out in organizations. That institution has measured over 40 different countries. So it's not a European thing only, it's global across industries that every month, all kinds of organizations from large multinationals to the smaller companies are wasting 51.5% of their payroll inefficiencies. So imagine 51.5% oh, of your payroll. So if you pay your people wow. a million or 100,000 per month, whatever number, take 51.5% of that, that is the money you waste every single month. And then you work hard to get more clients. You work hard on getting innovative solutions. Meanwhile, this 51.5% potential savings to make just by working smarter, including people valuing their skills, having them work across departments, across generations, across countries, onboarding people properly, offboarding people properly, because they will be your ambassadors forever. All those kind of things that companies do, but they don't update their processes as per the expectations and the demographics that we see. So it's not that they don't do it, they do it as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and say, well, it doesn't work any longer, but they don't ask themselves the question why. And that's where we come in to say, this is what other companies are doing that you could get inspired from, or these are the solutions that we've seen implementing in other companies that you can pick and choose and implement in your own company. So it's about working on inclusion, not to be, not to publish it in the annual report, but to actually use that to go against the inefficiency of the way we mm -hmm, work. Mm -hmm. And it's massive. Can you share a story? You've shared it with me, but can you share the story about a certain bank that- I will, it just came up as Dominique was saying, I was thinking, oh, I would love to tell this Please, story. Please, because mm -hmm. just to put this in a tangible context yeah, for I people. Think, mm -hmm, I think that case studies are the most tangible. So this is a very well-known bank. Of course, Geneva is very, very well-known for banks. We're both in Geneva, a very well-known bank in Geneva. And what they found is that 100%, well, we'll just go back one step. Typically, when you work for a company, you get benefits from that company. Like if you work for Coke, you get free Coke. If you work for, you know, whatever. And in banks, typically, as an employee, you get special rates on your interest and things like that. You have an employee account. And every bank creates an employee account for their employees. And usually your salary goes on that stuff like that. So what this bank discovered is that 100% of their retirees left the bank as clients upon retirement. 
because they had done nothing to actually say to them, well, now you're retiring. And of course, you know this, Jen, when you work anywhere in Europe or the US, when you retire, there's usually a million more in money that's gonna last you for the next 30 to 40 years to be managed, to be, and this bank discovered they were doing nothing to retain their employees as clients. So they've actually called upon us to adjust this whole situation so they can maintain their clients. And again, wow. it's for the goodwill of the bank. It's for the goodwill of the employees. It's for the goodwill of the employees that are still there, the young ones that can then emulate and say, wow, amazing. This is a great place to stay and bank. Wow. Like, it's wild to think about how if you think through who you're going to benefit and how you can enable programs to benefit those individuals, what happens to the entirety of that ecosystem, as you've mm -hmm. described? Mm -hmm. You know, it's holistic, not only on those five dimensions, but then, like we said, has this ripple effect through the entire organization. And that's what we love when we work with the bringing the five generations together in a room to understand each other, to find a common language and things like that. It's absolutely fascinating to see what bubbles up. It's, mm. It doesn't happen if you don't do something purposefully, I would put. Totally. So your tagline is don't grow old waiting. Can you tell us the story about this tagline and what that means for your customer and for our listeners? Mm. Okay. So if I start, Dominique, and then you can yes. add. So it's, it's actually quite an interesting story. When Dominique and I met, Dominique, an expert in human resources, myself in health and well-being, and we recognized that many clients would go to Dominique like looking for a new job or looking for a new direction, and their issues were with their physical well-being. And I had a lot of people coming to me looking for physical well-being, and in fact, their issue was their job. So we automatically started with this very holistic approach, and we both kept hearing people saying, well, I'm getting old, I'm getting old, I'm getting old. And both of us said, no, we both created our businesses over 50 years old, thriving business, I would add to that. And at that point we said, it's not about, nobody wants to get old. Getting old is grumpy, it's fuddy-duddy, but nobody cannot grow old. We are totally not anti-age. You will never see us do Botox. You will never see us do anything anti-age or any diet anti-age. We are pro-age, but we want to grow old and we want to thrive. When we think of growing, think of a plant. It's small and it grows and it gets its leaves and it thrives. Getting old, the plant is like shriveling. Growing old, it's becoming a beautiful plant. So I think that's really the difference for us. And the name of our business, Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive, waking up this conversation of the five generations in the aging workforce, shaking up mindsets, not to get old, but to grow old and older and thrive. I think it's pretty obvious. We find it quite cool to actually be over 50 because we come up with lots of experience and it's not because we are over 50 that we cannot be successful entrepreneurs. Actually, research shows that entrepreneurs over 50 have more chances 
to be successful. They've got more experience, probably more money on their bank account, more business savviness, a large network, which is essential, you know, as an entrepreneur. But at any age, you can start your own business. At any age, you can learn a new language or a new skill or fall in love. It's just that it's the time when you have behind you wealth of experience, life experience, and you can actually put that in place in your life now. And don't grow old waiting for us means we're not here to wait that life just goes away. We're here to enjoy life and thrive in life. And now is the time. Now is our time. So we feel very strongly about that. And we feel very strongly on changing the mindset of people say, yeah, I'm too old or I'm too old for that. Which, by the way, you don't, we don't hear it from the 50 plus only. We hear it from the 30 plus, from the 40 plus, from <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, like, I'm too old. And when we say, oh, how old are you? I'm already 33. I say, oh my gosh, you're a baby at 33. So it's the self-bias or the self-consciousness mm. that age is just a number, as we say. Yeah. As, mm. And I would even go further, Dominique. I would Absolutely. say to the organizations, to mm -hmm. the companies, don't grow old waiting. If you grow old, that 300,000, you're going to have to import them from elsewhere. Don't think that you can just sit on this one. It's not because they've talked about Me Too, because feminism has been out, that you've done sort of the feminist thing. Maybe you've done the gender thing. This is something that's happening now. You don't grow old waiting because it's going to catch up with you. You're not going to have the retention. You're not going to attract the people. And as Dominique said, it does that full circle because two things that are super relevant to bring up, your clients are also aging, all of them. And most of management is of that age. So let's be realistic here. Don't grow old waiting. I couldn't agree more because, I mean, we represent Quantif, this idea of being able to be the best possible, where our vision is everyone would know the value and purpose of their work. So we're very much in of the same mindset, I think. So I would be remiss if we didn't talk about your book. You all are co-authors of Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive, which is also the name of your business. For the folks that are unfamiliar with your work, hopefully they are now familiar, and they're thinking about picking up a book. What would they find in yours? Mm. I'll start the unique. Um, so what they're going to find is, first of all, it is you've gotten a sense of that we are highly researched. You're going to find a highly researched approach, motivating approach to lift up your life in your 50s and beyond. Two other things, three other things you're going to find in there. Very interesting. We have added throughout our book something we call the green thumb and something we call Swiss touches. So what the green thumb is, it is a lens on sustainability. Because we don't only want to make human beings sustain, but we want to sustain our planet. So when we voyage through these five dimensions, physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and financial, we are going to have a little bit of a lens on the sustainable aspect. 
it gives us an interesting lens to add to everything else that we we develop in those five dimensions. In addition to that, we have something called the Swiss touch. We live in Switzerland, we are both Swiss. It is the country where people live the longest and the happiest. And it goes up and down every once in a while between Denmark and Japan, but we're basically up there. And there's a reason for that. And in each dimension, we give a glimpse of why that just might be. And I'll tell you, it's not because they're show off and it's not because they're talking about their emotions. And the last thing I would say is in our book is that our book is two thirds learning and one third doing. We like to help people go from knowing what to do to actually doing it. What we love is we love to coach them in that respect, but not everybody needs an outside coach. So we give tools, tips, and practical ideas to invite people to go at their own pace, to go step by step, however they want, in the dimension that touches them here and now the most. So our book is in French and in English. Dominique, what would you add to that? I think you summarized it quite well. It's a book that we have done to allow people far away from us actually get started into their own journey of fulfillment and thriving um, over 50. And because we are passionate and we know that now is the time, we didn't want to wait until we can travel the planet and grow old waiting. We didn't want to grow old waiting. <laughs> we didn't want to grow old waiting in our small country of Switzerland. And, then, and we wanted to share what we've tested and learned and experienced ourselves during the past years and share that with a bigger audience. So that was the main reason why we wrote the book and not only because it's our passion and we think it's crucial and important. Well, thank you so much. We're gonna launch into some quick fire questions if that's okay with you. Of course. You ready? Scary, but sure, go for it. So the name of this podcast is Dreams with Deadlines because I'm a really big believer in goals. They can help us accomplish a lot. What is your dream with a deadline? Dom, maybe we can start with you and then Ellen to follow. Sure. I'm a strong believer in progress and not only results. My dream would be is that the 8% we talked about of the number of companies that actually mm. include aging into their diversity grow bigger. If it's 1%, 2%, but that's 8% doesn't stay 8% and goes up as a number of companies who realize that it's not that difficult. It doesn't require so many resources, but they actually understand how important it is and make that percentage go up. That would be my dream. Helen? A great dream. I'm with you on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's this sort of sense of urgency that happens when you grow older, not get older, Jen, when you grow older, mm. um, you really want to get things done in this lifetime. So I'm definitely thinking in terms of this lifetime, I want to impact as many lives as possible while me living a balanced, healthy, happy life. And I'm very fortunate as an entrepreneur, I'm able to do that. So the deadline is this lifetime, basically. And through age, like I said, we've get this sense of urgency, but I'm very happy to go one step at a time. And working together, I think that's one of the unique 
the unique things with Dominique and I is we really insist upon doing our work together because we are better as a duo. We have much more impact. So that kind of all goes into our dream with a deadline. I love it. And I hope that your dreams will be fulfilled. All right, question two. <laughs> Dom mentioned this earlier. It is quite daunting thinking about such a big topic like a multi-generational workforce, like a retiree community that's about to exit. And what do we do in the interim? Where would you recommend business leaders start when they're thinking about executing a strategy to overcome the challenges that you've brought up during the course of this podcast? Ellen, maybe we start with you. Sure, sure. Honestly, the best place to start is with a self-assessment. I like to say management by walking. So the easiest thing for them to do if they're not going to bring in outside experts that have a checklist to work from, we have actually a short one on our website that they can actually access in our resource hub. But I would say that they should start asking around their organization, what are we doing and what are our needs? Pulse, to take a pulse of their organization and know where they stand. Once they know where they stand, they can do something with it. Dom, what would you add to that? Uh, you stole my idea. <laughs> I was about to ah, say this. See, we're very aligned. It tends to happen with <laughs> but, that too. <laughs> but having had that discussion with a client of mine this week, I would add is to at least be conscious of the current numbers that they are at. And it seems so basic. Every company would know their revenue, their profitability, the financial numbers. But when it comes to talent management, in terms of engagement, in terms of absenteeism, in terms of commitment or having a clear vision and to what extent that vision is understood or communicated to their people, that is measurable. That's not fluff. That is That can be measured and can be and should be published so that we can follow up on on progresses. But there's a few chances that organizations are going to move forward not knowing where they are. It's like a GPS. If you tell your GPS, this is where I'm going, but you don't tell your GPS where you are, it doesn't really make your journey efficient and effective. So it takes more time, takes more money, discourage everybody. So it's to be at least conscious of where they stand and how does that measure to other companies? Sometimes people say, oh, we've got 14%, you know, 14% turnover. I say, and? I say, well, we, is that high? I say, don't know. It's been our figure. I say, well, how does that compare to the other companies in the industry? They don't necessarily know and they don't measure it properly. So as an HR person, it's not only about people, it's about measuring the people aspect of a company. And yes, it is measurable, even though you're not doing any cost accounting or cost-based accounting, it is measurable. And without measure, you can't measure progress. Yeah, and so to use this last question, to use your language, Dom, a non-fluff way what would be a non-fluff way to describe what a person who is thriving, an organization that is thriving, looks like? Mm -hmm. For me, it's clear. Somebody who knows why 
he's working or she's working in the company, who is clear about his contribution or her contribution, the boundaries, who is given the space and actually is sharing as an ambassador something positive about the company. Somebody who wakes up in the morning and say, yes, I'm going to work or I'm going to contribute. And that is visible. And it's not about job satisfaction. It's about feeling. Mm -hmm. Ellen, same question. Yeah, the word that pops up for me is the word choice. Mm. Really looking at how many individuals, employees in the organization choose to stay, choose to thrive, choose that organization. And even going further at the organizational level, what are they choosing to do? And what place are they choosing in the economy, in the market? How do they want to appear? So it's really a question of choice. I love that. You all are such powerhouses. I am so glad you have been on the show with us today. Thank you so much for your insights. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Jen, very, very much. It's been a great time. That's it for this episode. Dreams with Deadlines is produced by Quantiv. You can find show notes and transcripts on our website, quantiv.com slash resources slash podcasts. If you have a specific question, email us at dreamswithdeadlines at quantiv.com and your question might be answered on the show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.